Can you accept a coffee invitation from someone who doesn't keep kosher? Welcome to the Transformative Daft. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 34 of Tractate Nadarim, and we learn that sometimes kindness to our fellow overrides even our duties to the Almighty Himself. Welcome to the Transformative Daft, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. A young man once approached his Rosh Yeshiva with the following question. I daven each morning in the Pondovich Yeshiva. On occasion, I'm asked by visitors to accompany them to a shiva house to make a minion. Must I go? The Rosh Yeshiva replied, Prayer in the Yeshiva is a very lofty matter. It is important and exalted. But you need to know that as high and lofty as prayer may be, it is nonetheless a rabbinic mitzvah. Chesed, by contrast, is a biblical obligation. Let's look at today's Gemara. Rav Chiyabar Avin raised the dilemma before Rava. If one said to another, my loaf is prohibited upon you, and then he gave it to him as a gift, what is the law? Do we say my loaf, he said to him, i.e. when it is in his possession, it is forbidden, but when he gives it away to him as a gift, it is no longer forbidden? Or perhaps the key words are upon you, i.e. he said to him that he rendered the loaf for him like a consecrated item. He said to him, it is obvious that although he gave it to him as a gift, it is forbidden. But if that is so, when he said, my loaf is forbidden to you, what does it come to preclude? Would it come to preclude a case where he stole it from him? That is illogical. He said to him, no, it comes to preclude a case where he invited him. Let's analyze the Gemara. The Gemara today discusses a scenario where Ruvain forbade Shimon to partake of his food. If Ruvain then gifted the food to Shimon, would it still be prohibited? At that point, it would no longer belong to Ruvain, right? To use a practical example, let's say Ruvain has a box of cookies. He then tells Shimon that he swears he won't allow him to eat any of his cookies. Obviously, Shimon may not eat the cookies. But then Ruvain sends him the cookies as Mishlach Manos. May he eat them? On the one hand, they would appear to be the same cookies. On the other hand, who do they belong to right now? Reuven has given them as a gift to Shimon, and they are therefore no longer his cookies, are they? Let's take the conundrum a step further. Reuven invites Shimon over to his house and offers him some cookies to eat. Shimon knows that Reuven has forbidden his cookies to him, but now that he has served them to Shimon, who do they belong to? Are they Reuven's cookies that Shimon might be eating and therefore transgressing? Or has Reuven gifted the cookies to Shimon, making them Shimon's cookies and therefore permissible? In a similar vein, how about the following? Let's leave the example of Ruvain forswearing Shimon off his food. No vow has been declared. Shimon simply shows up at Ruvain's house to say hi. He sits down and Ruvain offers him the cookies. He proudly shows him the packet. He's bought kosher cookies just for Shimon. He tips them out of the packet, into the plate, and offers him a glass of water. Now Shimon's even more confused about how to proceed. It's lovely that Ruben has gone out of his way to prepare kosher cookies, but he's served them on his plate. He's not worried whether the plate is kosher because everything's cold, and so therefore there can't be any transfer of non-kosher absorbed substances from the clean plate. So that's all good. The problem, however, is that he's pretty sure that this glass plate was never toveled. It was never dipped in the mikveh. The Torah requires us to immerse our utensils in the mikveh prior to use, which complicates his ability to eat the cookies or even drink the water. Let's return to our earlier discussion around who owns the cookies. Once Shimon takes the cookies, the Gemara wondered whether that transferred them to his ownership. But how about the plate? 
Well, obviously, nobody thinks that Ruben intended to transfer ownership of the plate to Shimon. He's simply eating off Ruben's plate. So now the question becomes, who has the obligation to tovel the dish? Ruben, of course. We can't expect Shimon to run out and tovel the dish. Practically speaking, the midst of Tevilas Kalim immersing the dishes is incumbent upon one who purchases or borrows a dish for personal use. In this case, Shimon hasn't purchased the dish. He hasn't even borrowed the dish. He's simply eating off Ruvain's dish. Consequently, Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Liebes opines that when one finds oneself in an awkward situation like Shimon's, one may eat and drink off the dishes on the basis that they do not belong to him, and he thus has no obligation to tovel them. Listen to Rabbi Liebes's sensitivity. The most important value in his mind is the kavod the kindness and respect that you're showing to a fellow Jew and human being. The host has extended his graciousness by offering you something to eat and drink. According to Rabbi Liebes, the right response is graciously to accept the kind gesture. That's the attitude which we should all strive for when dealing with those around us who are in a different religious space. Focus on our commonality. Find common ground. True, you might not be able to eat in every person's home, but when there's a will, there's always a way to find some way to connect. If Rabbi Liebes' approach doesn't work for you, then preempt the situation and tell the person that you'd love to join him using paper goods to eat together. As long as you're respectful, the respect will be reciprocated. It's tempting to retreat to the walls of the yeshiva with people who share all the same religious observances as you. The palace of lofty prayers. But that's a cop-out. That's called avoiding the spiritual challenge. You are placed in this wall to elevate the sparks of holiness wherever they may be found. Think about it like this. When it comes to your material life, you could choose a safe path and stick to a 9-to-5 job, or you could take a risk and start a business. The first choice is safe, but it will only get you so far in life. The latter choice is risky, but the potential upside is so much greater. Likewise, in our spiritual life, we can choose the easy, comfortable path and not bother with 90% of the Jewish people who are not like us. Or we can step it up and make the extra effort to find commonality with all our brothers and sisters. It need not be said which path our Father in Heaven prefers. Just like a mortal parent, the greatest nachas comes when one's children, no matter how different they, they may be, are able to get along and find common ground. In the words of the Rosh Yeshiva, chesed trumps prayer. May you forever strive to bring nachas to our Father in Heaven by loving and finding common ground with every one of His children, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.